two pairs. And don't shout it out, but I want you to think about what do these two pairs, these pairs have in common? James Bond and Alec Trevelon, Charles Xavier and Eric Lensier, they're from the X-Men series, Optimus Prime, White, Megatron, Gandalf the Grey, and Saruman the White, which I've never even seen it. I know I got scolded today for not seeing this movie. Barbosa and Jack Sparrow, Dumbledore and Grinwald, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. So what do you think? What do they all have in common? Huh? Enemies. Yes, they all have betrayal. I want to see your faces. So they all have betrayal or deception intertwined in their relationships. In real life, no one wants to experience a plot twist of betrayal. What are the deal breakers for you that would end a friendship? If you know a person for a long enough time, you eventually will experience some hurt or conflict in your relationship. And one disagreement isn't enough to just end a relationship, but things can feel painful and sometimes it's too hard to come back from that. Have you or a friend ever spoke negatively about each other? Have you ever let your friend down? Have you chosen other friends or interest over each other? In friendships, we know there are some deal breakers that a friendship can't come back from. For me, it's not a deal breaker that you've lied to me, but it takes a really, really, really long time for me to trust you again. And everything you say to me until I trust you again, I will always question you on, flat out. So for me, trust is a big thing. So when it comes to having a relationship with Jesus, it makes sense that you may have questions about what his deal breakers are and if you've already messed it up. What could we do or not do in our relationship with Jesus that would make it difficult, if not impossible, to come back from? Jesus' story is full of plot twists, and we're going to hear a lot about them the next couple weeks. And they shocked everyone, except Jesus, obviously. And sometimes Jesus was the cause of a plot twist, but sometimes it was other people. One of the most well-known plot twists that we're going to encounter is on Palm Sunday. And that is when Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem, and we're going to dig into it tonight. So I need you to turn to page 826. It's in Matthew. I'll give you a minute or a second. And I'll read it to you. It should be, oh. Okay, there it is. No, that's not it. As they approach, I'm going to read to you. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, Matthew 21, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there and her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. Who's speaking? Jesus, yes. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, 
See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a king, and on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. So 500 years before this day in Jerusalem, there was this man named Zechariah. And Zechariah was a prophet, and God, there's even a book in the Bible named Zechariah. And God used Zechariah to speak to his people encouragement. He wanted them to know that they should have hope because God was sending the Messiah to deliver them. He says, Zechariah says, the Messiah will come riding on a colt. And Matthew is quoting that in verse 5. Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy. God is keeping the promises that he gave his people. The kings arrived. However, the king didn't arrive on a big horse with lots of people. He arrived with humility on a donkey. Verse 6. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the ground. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. It's unclear if the crowds knew the message that he was giving by coming with humility, but what is clear is that they were very excited about him. They were thrilled. People had heard about him. They had heard his, oh, I better move something before I get in trouble here. They had heard about his teachings, they had heard about his miracles, and they were ready to celebrate him. In my head, this is not the same, but this is where my mind goes. I'm not saying that the people are the same as this. So, But I picture, you know, like when the, all the um, famous people come together and they roll out the red carpet? That's what came to my mind. It's not the same because we're not comparing the celebrating celebrities to this, but that's, it's so that they are like so excited to see him. They are celebrating him as the king. The cloaks symbolize the crowd's submission to Jesus as king. The words Hosanna in Aramaics mean, oh save, God save. With that kind of welcome, it would have been really difficult for followers to imagine anything other than a happy ending. But there's a plot twist. So I just read this book. Can you put a picture of it? Oh, I look there, and it's not there, and then I go, what is happening? So I just read this book when I was on a trip, and there was three different times that I literally was reading. I went, (gasps) and my friends are like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I can't believe this just happened. And as I was reading and I'm thinking back, I do not remember any clues that would have indicated that the twist was coming or when it was coming. However, my family, don't judge me when I say tell you this, we recently watched, do you have a picture of this one? Okay, we recently, if you get in trouble for watching this at home, it is not my fault, okay? That's the disclaimer. But we recently watched both of these. And I have to admit that I liked this one better. And what we know, and I'll tell you why in a minute. 
If you've ever seen it or ever have watched a movie with a major plot twist, then you know there are moments that lead up to this pivotal point where they're like, the mystery solved. Sometimes a plot twist doesn't happen out of nowhere, but often the storyteller gives you a clue. In this, oh, that movie that was just up there, there was a glaring clue, and I think that's why I liked it, because I was like, oh, I know how this is going to end. I solved it. And I'm not going to give it away, but it's in the living room. Jesus' story is no different. Here are some of the clues he gives us. He told his friends and followers that this trip would end his, de- would end his life. The religious and the political leaders in the city had plans to trap him, And for centuries, clue number three, prophets had spoken about what was to happen to him. But the crowd turning on him wasn't the only betrayal that Jesus would experience before his death. We're going to read about the next one. So you're going to flip your page in your same place, Matthew 26. And it says, Matthew 26, 14 through 16, Judas agrees to betray Jesus. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. He was one of his friends, like his inner circle. There's 12 of them, and he was one of them. He had eaten how many meals with this man? So many meals. He had traveled with Jesus for three years. He had served people. He had talked to Jesus. And all over, this is what he got in return. 30 pieces of silver. He agreed to betray his teacher all for this. And it's hard to know exactly how much that was, but commentators guess between $90 and $500 in today's money. It's easy to stand here where we are today and judge Judas for selling out his friend for the cost of a gaming council or a smartwatch. But maybe this wasn't just about money for Judas. Remember, he had heard the same clues in the plot twist and the spoilers. He heard Jesus talking about how he was going to be executed and saw the leaders putting together this plan to arrest him. So I wonder if Judas felt like this, like all the years that he had put in with Jesus and all the hard work and passion were about to go to waste. After giving so much to follow Jesus, maybe he wondered if this was all for nothing. What if he was wrong? He gave three years to his life and it was, he's going to die. These 30 pieces of silver might not have been a fortune, but I wonder if they represented a chance to start fresh for Judas. After all, when we're all afraid, we're all prone to do some selfish things to protect ourselves. So the story continues. After Judas turns Jesus over to the authorities, it was a long night for Jesus. 
A night full of accusations, beatings, interrogations, and even more betrayals. As he was on trial, the man named Pilate, he decided, Pilate listened to him and said, I don't even have a reason to punish this guy. So what did Pilate do? He didn't want to be the bad person. He saw the crowds gathering, and he says, you guys decide. He was giving the people, the same people who had just put down their cloaks and their worshipped him, the same people a chance to do the right thing and have Jesus released. Verse 22, Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. Pilate delivers Jesus to be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I'm innocent of this man's blood, and see, it to, and, and see to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and our children. Then he released from them Barabbas, who was like a felon, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. The same crowd who just worshipped him, like in the same week, in less than seven days, was done worshipping him and was ready to put him on this cross. Jesus faced betrayal after betrayal throughout his life, but the biggest ones that he faced were the days right before his death. He saw strangers and followers and friends turn their backs on him. But every time Jesus was given the opportunity to give up on people, stop caring about them, or even rescue himself, I mean, he is the son of God, he instead continued to love them. In this way, Jesus actually carried out the biggest plot twist of history. Instead of doing the expected thing and choosing to give up on the people, he chose love and forgiveness instead. The Apostle Paul in Colossians reads, or wrote, he was delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. When people failed Jesus by betraying him, Jesus could have changed his mind and aborted the mission. But with Jesus, there's always another plot twist. Because when we turn away from Jesus, he doesn't turn away from us. None of us like admitting it, but the stuff that caused the crowd to turn away is the exact same stuff that causes us from loving Jesus or or loving each other. Anger. Pride, desires, wants. So Eric is doing a book club. And you know I love books, guys. So of course I'm going to read the books that Eric wants me to read. And um, uh, it's called Strong and Weak. And on June 17th, 2015, in Charleston, North Carolina, it's... Ooh, sorry. I was trying to take my hair out of my shirt. Um, It's known as the Charleston Nine. And what it is, it's a time when um, these people were in church. They were having a Bible study. And a weird, I shouldn't say weird, an unknown person walks into their space 
and they welcome him. And he ends up, in the middle of praying, he ends up shooting up the whole place and killing nine people. And this is what this, so in this book they're talking about this event, and it says, when evil came into the mist, the church members in that basement responded instinctively with sacrifice. Some of them placing themselves between the killer and his intended victims, even while pleading with him to reconsider his plans. And when their surviving family members confronted the killer in a court hearing two days after the event, so the nine people who were killed in this horrific event, their family members go to court and listen to this. Two days after their murders, they responded with offers of mercy and even salvation in the face of an impending judgment. I don't know about you guys, but that might be a deal breaker for me. I think it would take me years and maybe my whole lifetime to offer forgiveness to a man who took my loved one. And these people did that. Like these family members, Jesus always chooses to forgive and love us even when we feel like we do not deserve it. Forgiving and loving others is way harder than writing someone off. Moving on from a relationship or holding bitterness, that's easy. But forgiving and loving is really, really hard. In my closet, I have many white shirts. And you're like, what? I'm scared to wear them. That's the truth. Because, like, what if you get a stain on it? And then it's ruined. And so they have white shirts and they just sit there. Because one drop of like a pen or spaghetti sauce or anything could ruin my shirt, right? I know, don't ask. I just, then I have them and don't wear them. I know. It can leave a permanent mark. Maybe you feel that way about your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you think, I don't need, I, I need to do this perfectly. I can't make a mistake or it'll be ruined. I've already messed this up, so why bother? There's no going back. But what I think about is all these tie-dyed shirts that are actually really pretty when they're done. They're drops of all these colorful things. And we still see their value in the messiness of them. They're imperfect. They're stained. I think Jesus sees us the same way. He sees the way we've messed up and failed him and even betrayed him better than we know ourselves. But he still chose to give everything for us on that cross in order to make us new. We're not perfect. But Jesus still sees you all lovable and valuable when he sees us. Someone worth dying for. None of us in the room were there the day Jesus died. None of us were at his trial saying crucify him. But we've all had moments when we have turned away from him. Or maybe you've never turned to him in the first place. We might turn away from Jesus when we make other things more important than our relationship with him. When we choose to ignore or disregard what he said. Or we hurt someone on purpose or accidentally. When we refuse to make things right. 
There are so many reasons we might feel stained, ruined, or fixable, but that's exactly why Jesus came to rescue us from darkness and death. If you hear only one sentence of mine this evening, I want you to hear this. There is nothing you can do or not do to turn his back on you. There is nothing you can do or not do to get Jesus to turn his back on you. But maybe today is the day you need to turn toward him. Maybe you need to make right with him your relationship. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness or spend time thanking him. You will never live in a world where Jesus has turned away from you, no matter how many times you turn away from him. When we turn away from Jesus, he does not turn away from us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come this evening with so many things that we think that have stained us or we've done or are unfixable. And Lord, I pray that each person in this room would hear the truth, that you love them and care for them and they are valued no matter what they are carrying this evening. That you have died on the cross, that your work is complete, and that we can live a free life and you will always be with us no matter what we have done or not done. So Lord, help us to discuss this this evening, to push through the questions we have of if this is truth. Help us to focus on what you are saying to us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.